Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here with Dane Lee. Uh, today, we're going to go over longevity in sport. And, you know, on the last episode, we talked about pretty much like investing um, in your fitness and yourself and all that for the long term um, and doing the things that are needed to kind of progress yourself and um, that are needed to make yourself better. And um, today, we're going to kind of expand on you know, having a long-term outlook in, in the sport, but then also like, how do you get there? Um, you know, how do you not get injured in the first six months and be done with the sport and hate everything altogether? Um, and we're going to correlate this to like powerlifting, weightlifting, you know, even bodybuilding, CrossFit, like the more competitive things within fitness. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I've noticed a lot lately is as these call them sports start to get more popular. Um, a lot of people, and it's fine if you're, you know, you're just looking to try something new, Mm -hmm. um, see what you like, see what you don't like, whatever. Um, but a lot of people are coming in and in the longevity in the sport, uh, for powerlifting is two years. That's kind of like the average (laughs) right now. Um, we see it a lot where people cycle in and out and what it is, is at about that two or three year mark, things tend to get a little bit difficult. You're not seeing the, as much newbie gain anymore. Um, things get a little harder. You have to refine your technique. This is when a lot of the, those outside variables are really coming into play. It's not fun anymore. Yeah, it's not the new <laughs> thing and fun. Um, you know, and especially on, I know if you talk to powerlifters and weightlifters, um, it becomes a bit monotonous. You're repeating a lot of the same movements. You're repeating... Mm-hmm what seems like a lot of the same programming, but you always have to remember that as you're getting better, you're also working off of uh, higher weights. So your percentages, although it might be, okay, I'm doing 80% at some point, it, it, you know, it's 80% of those new numbers that you're hitting. So um, you'll see those increases in weight and we all go through it in the off season, especially where things become monotonous. It becomes a little bit boring. Um, it, you know, it's one of those things that you have to have that long-term outlook. And for me, I always look ahead of like, I know when I go through that peaking cycle or I know when I hit a rep PR in the off season, it means I'm getting a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you, you have to have those, the, the long-term outlook, but have those short-term, you know, happy times as I would call them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't expect to PR something every week. Don't expect to be heavy. So I'll constantly hear this too, where, you know, someone might have hit, let's say, a 500-pound back squat in in the competition or whatever, and we go to off-season, and we go down, we start working off the numbers, and they expect within, like, you know, three months, like, okay, well, where's the new PR? You know, where's the – why aren't we going above 500 again? And people expect that, like, you should just be lifting above those numbers right away in the off-season. No. That's, that's not how it works. Um, the way I've always explained to people, and especially as you get better, you might only have one shot a year, two shots a year at most to hit new numbers, to hit PRs. Right. It, it happens. Um, there's plenty of great lifters that haven't hit a PR on a certain lift for two or three years. Because they're at such a high level. Yeah, because you're, you know, you're at such a high level or sometimes you just have lifts that get stuck. Yeah. Um, and, you know let's say your squat got stuck, but your bench went up 40 pounds. You have to look at 
you know, where you're progressing, it's hard to bring up all lifts at all the time forever. Right. It's not linear like that. So, um, you know, from the, that mindset of, uh, of being a competitive lifter, you're going to need to have a long-term outlook and understand like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years in what, however long you decide to do this, um, that's where you're going to be the strongest is later, not not in the beginning and you're going to have struggles and you might get injured and things might happen, but you know, the, the mindset of it has to be there of, of long-term, not short-term. It's like you said, you have to look for the things that become, uh, the reward or the things that you can be happy about. Um, so instead of it being a PR, cause everyone like associates the achievement with the new PR, but finding different ways to associate that, um, within mm-hmm. gymnastics, um, it is it's the same way. Like it's very, very monotonous. Like mm-hmm. you're doing the same events in the same way as powerlifting, weightlifting. You have like the, the lifts that you're doing all the time. You're training for those, um, and adapting your mindset to say like, Hey, did you do like 1% better on one thing? Mm-hmm. All right. Then that was a win. You did well this week. Um, or this month, did you manage to do something with less error? Yeah. You didn't do anything new. You didn't just moved better. Yeah. You moved better as yeah. you're going through and, Having that switch in mindset, um, for most competitors, it's very helpful because it gives you a challenge to work towards, which isn't a new PR or a new total mm. or anything like that. But it gives you something to strive for and feel like you've accomplished something. Because uh, you're right, like you might only have one opportunity every single year in order to hit that new big number. Yeah. Or uh, for gymnastics, like a new score or yeah. a new best time, whatever your sport is. But you have to be able to change your perspective on how you can find those within training. Yeah. I think that's a reason why, you know, people got drawn to CrossFit uh, back when it was bigger is, you know, like there, there's so many different things to work on within mm-hmm. that. And it's, it kind of takes you back to sports. Like when you're growing up playing a sport, there might be, you know, there's 90 different elements of that sport to yeah. get better at. It doesn't matter what sport you play. If you think about it and break it down, there's different elements of the sport to get better at. And you can always kind of be working on something. Um, you know, so the same kind of correlates to powerlifting. But the thing is with like powerlifting, you need to become obsessed with the numbers. And that's what I've always heard from people, myself and other people that are, have been in this a while. Is you start to become obsessed with the numbers. So when you hit, you know your first 400 pound squat, you know, you're thinking, okay, I got to get to 450. And then when you hit 450, it's like, okay, 500. And you might get there and like, maybe that next number is like, okay, 515. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit better now, 530 now, you know? Um, so you almost become obsessed with every little number in your training as well. So if it's a variation, like, um, a couple of weeks ago, I hit a closed grip, uh, PR for reps, you know, something yeah. simple like that. I was like, hmm, okay, everything's flying today. I had a, a Spoto PR um, that the reps I did on Spoto was actually a PR for that amount of reps on any sort of bench, whether it was pause, touch and go, anything. And I was doing a Spoto. So it was like that little win is something I'm carrying over. I see um, that a lot with the videos uh, that you and your lifters will post about, hey, I hit a triple PR. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what lift it is, it's always finding ways to – like find an accomplishment mm-hmm. in what you did. And, and not only that, but did it, did it move better? Might yeah. not be, 
you know, a, a PR weight, but did you move a weight better than you did before? Does it feel better? You know, does the speed look better? Does the technique look yeah. better? Things like that. You need to find those, those wins. Um, and I think having that mindset and that attitude is going to, what is what's going to help your longevity in the sport. Um, the single biggest reason I think people leave the sport is, you know, some people are just here to try it. It's just they, something they want to do. Yeah. You know, they saw powerlifting or maybe their friend powerlifted, they want to try it, or they just had a goal of being strong at the time, wanted to see how strong they could get for a couple of years, whatever. Did it and moved on. Yeah, did it and kind of moved on. And I know people like that. I know people have, you know, done, you know, powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit, they've ran marathon, like, you know, <laughs> marathons, half marathons, whatever it is that they do. But like, there's people that just constantly find a new kind of thing to do and they're just, they just love fitness, I guess yeah, I should yeah. say. Um, <clears throat> but, if you want to be a serious competitor in this sport, you have to understand that we're all going through the same thing that you're going to see um, those times where it's like, why the fuck am I continuing to do this? <laughs> um, but, you know, then you, you get your reward when you do hit your PRs and when you yeah. get better, when things move better or whatever. So, um, you know, if you're in this for the long term, that's going to enhance your your outlook on everything and it's going to make you feel better about being in the sport. Um, but kind of back to what I was saying that you, you see people leave because, and this has happened at times where it's like, it gets quote unquote, like, um, I have no motivation. Yeah. And you yeah. know, what I see that as generally is unless something's going on in their life is usually it's just becoming monotonous and they need a little break, which, that happens. Yep. Like I've had clients that went and we've worked on a different goal for two months or whatever, mm -hmm. right back to it later, you know, three months, whatever. Uh, Anna who just competed went and did, I think she was doing like CrossFit ish stuff and then like more bodybuilding, uh, movements. She did that for like two or three months, you know, got back, buckled down and whatever, seven, eight months later here, hit PRs on the platform, PR, yeah. you know, everything on the platform. So um, had a big PR total. So, um, it, it's one of those things where it can happen, but you got to remember your ultimate goal and what sport you're in right. as well. So, um, kind of switching gears, you know, longevity and sport when it comes to your realm is taking care of the body over those, over the long term. Um, I think that's People generally don't start to figure that out until one, they get injured yep. or two, there are a few years in and things are getting heavy and they're constantly kind of tweaking things. And then, and then they start to realize like, okay, even if my nutrition's on point, why am I still breaking down? It's not yeah. because the, it's because they're not doing that self care. Right. So, um, so just quick backstory with me in gymnastics, because I think it relates to this really well mm -hmm. is that I didn't start gymnastics until i was 23 which is when most guys are getting out yeah um, isn't isn't like the prime age for like late teens or something or early uh, 20s for women they're they're showing like late teens for prime and then guys it goes a little bit later because mm. there is so much more strength that's gained mm. as you're going through like, the, like second burst of yeah. puberty that they have yeah um and now you're seeing uh it lasting past college with guys. Mm -hmm. I think just they're getting a lot better with training concepts and, you know, helping with injury prevention, et cetera. But it's still, I mean, not very old mm -hmm. when they're done. So I started as most people were getting out, but it, I was able and have been able to do it as long as I have 
not because I'm an amazing athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but because I had a solid foundation prior of like how to take care of the body. And most of that was strength training. So I had, I'm not saying that I was fantastic at it, but I mm. consistently was doing squats and deadlift and bench press yeah. and um, accessory movements that would help yeah, to... background. Yeah. Yeah. And so your ligaments, tendons were probably stronger than, than most. And... and when I transitioned into doing uh, the events, which are incredibly <laughs> uh, traumatic on the joints, mm-hmm. the way that um, they're mostly done is because some of the foundational movements like how to land, how to properly jump, how to um, brace yourself, et cetera, aren't taught and learned at a young age. So I came in with a lot of that because that's what I taught people. So I used it as I was learning. I've been able to continue doing it because I knew those things and know the things, continue to do those things. Um, And then in addition to that, the more I learned about taking care of the body from a self-care standpoint, I use all that still. And... I continue to get better each year, which kind of defies the whole aging process. Because, and again, I'm not saying I'm great at gymnastics. Like I had such a deficit of learning that I can continue to get better because I knew nothing when I started. But I've seen how much it has helped me kind of against the odds of age in the sport. And like that's what I try to give people because if you don't have a soft tissue practice, you are going to start to see things after about you know 12 to 18 months. They might not be things that really keep you from participating, Mm -hmm. but that's about where they start. And then after that two to three year mark, you have things that you're just not recovering from. It's not always an age thing; it's an accumulation of what you're putting yourself through. Joint fatigue and things like that. Um, You know, someone comes in, they're like, "This is the third time I've strained my pec when I go through a competition prep. uh, Every time that I bench, it's like that's not supposed to be happening. No, Um, you know, something is going on." in how you're taking care of yourself. Because at that point, you would assume that they're working with a coach who would be able to spot a drastic technique uh, need for change. But if you have something that continues to flare up and you never had a previous injury associated with that, there's something you're not doing that you need to work with someone to figure out how to take care of yourself. Um, Was like, I I can take myself as an example. Like I remember, um, God, I used to always get like elbow pain, you know, bad tendonitis, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shoulders would hurt, you know, things like that. Uh, biceps, more bad. Like yeah. My biceps were terrible. Um, the bicep pain I would have. And, and now it's been probably like two years since all that. I mean, a lot of, yeah. lot, like I might have a little flare here and there. Yeah. Uh, mostly towards usually like the end of a prep or something, but um, as you're talking, I'm trying to think the last time we actually had to work on the that's biceps. what I'm saying. And, and, and for a while, it was one of those things that flared up on me for well over a year where mm-hmm. I would always have like, okay, I got to that point. Now my elbows are messed up. My you know biceps hurt and everything else. Um, and it's, it's funny because like when we started working on things, yes, it got better, but it also my own self care had to improve as well. Yeah. So my warmups, um, you know, even looking into my diet, like, okay, is something maybe causing it here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then start to look into the training more too is like, okay, well, why, why is that popping up in my, you know, cause at the time I was, I didn't have as low of a bar setting as I do now in my squat. So I'm like, okay, is it, am I pulling on the bar wrong? Like, am I pulling it too much? Am I not 
you know, bracing properly or my, you know, the way yeah. I grip the bar, is that wrong? And I actually started changing these little things and found that, you know, makes a big difference. It, it made a big difference in, in especially in my, uh, my biceps. Um, but then like the little things of like the warm up prior to bench, yeah, you know, all these things started accumulating over time. It simply got better. Mm-hmm. So, um, now it's been, you know, a long time since then, but um. Yeah, not to cut off what you were saying. No, it's like one of the best correlations that you can make is honestly think of all the self care as just uh like taking care of your car. Mm-hmm. If you do regular work on your car, you don't have big things that happen um, until you you know years down the road. And when they do happen, they're easy to take care of. It's like it's general maintenance. You yeah. do the oil changes, you get the brakes uh, taken care of every couple of years, you get your tires rotated, etc. And suddenly you don't have drastic things that pop up out of nowhere that leave you stranded on the side of the road. Um, The body is really no different. If you figure out a proper warm up for you and your sport, or, you know, even for your event within your sport for powerlifting, and then you figure out how to do little things to take care of what you notice, like for you, like you had to figure out little things to do self care for the bicep, not, you know, outside of the warm up. Yeah. And once you have that figured out, you've got a plan and lo and behold, you know, it's been however long it's been since you've had to deal with that kind of thing because you're able to make those tweaks. And if you start that process early on, you don't have all of these things that build up that you have to worry about in any sport. Yeah. You're going to have things that get strained or get fatigued, uh, get aggravated that you have to take care of. That's part of the game. That's part of the game. But it's amazing how much people don't have to deal with when they start off the transition into a new sport with a proper plan like that. Yeah. Then it becomes habit. Yeah. And that's kind of the biggest thing is I think a lot of people, it's when you're in the routine, the habit of not doing that stuff, it's harder to start it up and make it that habit of doing mm-hmm. it. So, um, especially when you start a sport, you don't have this accumulation of issues. Like when mm-hmm. you first come into powerlifting, you're not like, Oh, my hips are hurting. My elbows are yeah. hurting. My pecs are strained. You feel good and you feel good for 12 months. And you're like, so why should I bother creating yeah. a habit around this? It's like, because you don't want those things yeah. to eventually then the happen. first tweak they get, they think it's a major injury. And then right. all they have to, all you have to do is go see a practitioner for <laughs> maybe a week or two, three, whatever, and get some maintenance care and you're fine. Right. Um, it's not a career ending injury, but I think a lot of people, what they'll do is when they, it goes one of two ways, either that pops up and they think it's the end of the world mm-hmm. when it's just a minor little tweak or it comes up, they ignore it five weeks later, still ignoring it eight weeks yep. later. It's a major injury, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, don't ignore those warning signs. Um, you know, and kind of another thing along with longevity is in your training, um, you know, it's starting to, I think it, people are starting to get a lot smarter on it. You still have some YOLO people out there that, um, <clears throat> will do some really dumb things, but, um, you know, understanding like when to go heavy, when not to, and especially post meet, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest things, um, with my clients, what we do is, I mean, we completely drop everything, um, drop everything off in a sense like you know that first week back is mainly blood flow we're not really doing too many compound movements um 
we're just getting the body moving right and getting everything back in order. Mm-hmm. And then we usually start to go through a hypertrophy block and it starts to work up in volume. So there's not a ton right away, but it starts to work up from there. Yeah. You know, and I might throw in, um, especially on the bench side, you know, sure they might get like a triple 80% or something like that off of their new max, you know, we might hit a, a little heavy lift like that, but um, for one set or something, yeah. maybe two sets, Nothing but crazy. we're not doing anything, you know, like a, uh, multiple set heavy compound lift. Um, and usually the deadlifts start very slow, very light. Yeah. Um, usually it's a variation of the squat. It's not like a low bar squat or anything like that. Um, but you know, and this is speaking from experience as someone I attribute to like when I, f- my first disc herniation was because I simply thought I was unbreakable. Um, and I pushed things, <laughs> I pushed things to, uh, too hard for too long because yeah, you know, every week it's feeling better, you know. So yeah. should be all right. And um, <laughs> you know, I I'm can... only laughing because that is like the definition of the mindset of every like mid twenty year old athlete. It's like I'm fine; it'll go yeah. away, and it never just goes away. And, you know, like I peaked up and had a good meet and everything, and um, it was actually the best meet I had had to that point. And I'm like fuck, I still had more left, you know, two in my lift. Let's so, keep going. So I'm pretty good. And I, um, there was a big like meet coming up. I think it was like, I think it was like eight weeks between meets or something or nine weeks between Ooh. meets. And, you know, the whole gym was doing it and all these people were doing it. Um, so I was like, all right, you know, I want to be a part of it. Um, so I, I did back things down, but on my, um, First day where I was actually, I would say deadlifting anything significant, I herniated on it. It was an 80% lift that day. Um, wasn't, you know, anything crazy. I think I pulled, when I pull, um, it was uh, 545 that I herniated it on. And at the time, you know, I deadlifted 661 fairly easy. It wasn't overly hard in competition. Um, you know, so I think it was about three or four weeks post meet you know, probably about four weeks post meet that okay. I pulled that and, um, it just bad positioning, bad technique, probably, you know what I mean? It wasn't as refined as it is now. Yeah. Um, and live and learn herniated disc. And that set me back for a little while. And, um, now I came back and I competed in PR seven months later, um, which is a thing in itself. But once you herniate something, that is a kind of a lifelong process there. Like it, yeah. you're still going to have some referred pain at some points, you know, there's like, how often are we working on my hips or, you know, working around the week? Yeah. Yeah. Working around sciatic and things like that. Yeah. It's just now it is what it is. But if I avoided that, who knows where that could be. And I probably wouldn't have hurt myself. Um, you know, a second time pulling a light weight. Um, I'm sure it wasn't in that same exact area. Um, now that disc did empty out or whatever, but, um, you know, that injury that I had then probably wouldn't have happened had it not been a prior injury. So it's, you know, then you look back and it's like, okay, so I spent a year and a half of my time in powerlifting being quote unquote injured, like not being able to push things to where I should be able to. So, um, you know, you can't get back time. So if you, you can can't, avoid I it, think do it. That that is an incredibly significant point where one of the things I really like is when it's phrased as the gift of injury. Mm-hmm. 
like how much did you end up learning about taking care of yourself and how your mindset needed to shift Mm -hmm. around taking care of your back because of that moment. Whereas coming back to what you said earlier, uh, someone else's mindset might've been, Oh, I hurt myself. I'm done. No, yours was all right. This is something I need to work around. And yeah, you lost say a year and a half, but how much has that helped you to have a better approach since coming back? Um, and, and the work that you put into yourself. Well, not only not only it's like sport. my own self care, but it it helped me to be able to um, coach people better. Or yep. if, you know, if I've had people contact me that herniated a disc or um, you know hurt their back or whatever, they're having back pains, and I, you know, I'm no expert, but I kind of tell them like, okay, here is what I did, yeah, um, to build back, and I still have in my um, my notes every squat and deadlift I did for the first, I think like. Um, was it like hundred and uh, maybe one hundred and fifty days? I'll have to check on there. But um, for the first few months there, until I got back to like my first uh, six hundred pound deadlift or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I put down the progression, and I've even sent that to people. Like, look, here's what I did. Yeah. Not to say it'll exactly work for you, but here's the progression, the mindset that I thought, and here's like was my thinking behind like the rep schemes that I went through and the volume I went through to get there and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things I've implemented, um, you know, I know other people have used and it's helped them. Yeah. So, um, so I, I learned not only from self care, but you know, to help others also. And that's kind of where everything's about anyway. So, um, you know, uh, I, can I ask a question? Uh, because it makes me think about it. What would you say, is the cutoff point, uh, maybe that's not the right way to put it, how old do people get in powerlifting? Like, Because uh, it seems like a sport that you could do for a longer period yeah, of it, time. You get some outliers. Um, you definitely get some outliers, especially on the female side. But, you know, some of the... I mean, there's some really fucking strong, like, well, there's people in their fifties and sixties that are strong. Let's not, yeah, you yeah. know, but there's some really strong women, like their late thirties, early forties. Okay. Um, mid thirties, early thirties is pretty common still okay. to be pretty strong. Um, it's one of those lifelong sports. A lot of guys don't reach their full potential on strength until like they're 35 to 40 years old. Do you think in powerlifting that's because they sometimes come from a, another sport, so they start a little bit later, or is it? It well, it's lends one, itself it's, to needing it's that. It's one kind of, of time. two things. It's it's usually longevity in the sport. So a lot of the people that are, um, you know, in their let's call it early thirties, mm-hmm. you know, thirty years old, a lot of them have been powerlifting since their early twenties or twenty years old. They've been doing it for you know, eight, nine, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people in their mid thirties that are really good, they're coming from another sport. Okay. Um, where they did something else until maybe their mid twenties, late twenties, or hell, even like there's guys that jump in and at 30 years old. And by the time they're 35, 36, they're some of the best in the world. We've seen that. So there's not bringing so much experience. Into yeah. It from there's not really a set standard. I've seen okay. people come out the gate, 18, 19, 20 years old, be awesome. By 21, 22, I don't even know if, if they exist anymore. I don't know where they're at or what okay. they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you see it kind of both ways. Um, but typically, barring no injury, life circumstances, all that stuff, the longer you're in it, the stronger you're going to get. Now, there's the whole thing of like, especially when, you know, guys, when you get above 30, are you enhanced? Or are you not? 
Yeah. That's going to make a bit of a difference, obviously. Um, you know, females hormonally go through some changes also that when they get a little bit older, they tend to get a little bit stronger. Um, you know, thinking back to, you know, person we had here years ago, when she come to me, she was 30, 36 or 37, not, never touched a barbell in her life. Okay. And at 40 years old, she had shots at, um, you know, USAPL American record. Wow. And even in the open, like in her 123 weight class in the open, she was ranked in the top 10 in the country for her deadlift. Wow. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like you see those people at yeah. like, hi, I've never touched a barbell. Teach Three me how to later. lift. Three years later, <laughs> you know, you're pulling 360 pounds or whatever it was, three 352. Um, so, you know, I've seen it all. But and then you got outliers that are, you know, 50 years old that are still strong as hell. Yeah. So it just, it just depends. But I, you know, if you're going to be someone that's starting later, understand that the, the game is different. It really is. Your programming mm -hmm. has to be a little bit different, which that's kind of a whole other podcast topic, but yeah. I was just curious cause you do see, and maybe because there is better science out there on how to take care of the body and people are paying more attention to it, but you do see people coming into sports whether it's powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit's a really big example of this mm -hmm. later because it's almost like, yeah, like the second or third sport that they get into. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they come out of college you as look a at, baseball player and they're like, know, hey, I'm going to go do CrossFit. If you look at Ryan that's in here, um, what is, what is he, uh, 30, I got, I might get your shit wrong, Ryan. Uh, I think he's like 37 <laughs> okay. or something now. I might be wrong on that, but he's around that age. You know, it's called 37. I might be giving him a year or taking a year. I don't know. But um, he came in and started competing a couple years ago. So he was already like 33 when he started competing. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, like genetically, he's a genetically gifted person. And he was, um, you know, I'll make fun of him because he was like high school hero down the road. Okay. I mean, he's still like, I think he's still like in the top five in that school like all-time rush leaders and all that stuff like he all right you know he was a little fucking uh badass and and running back or whatever um but you know I, I forget where i think he played college ball as well but anyway besides the point but he comes in you know at 33 years old and he's able to still get stronger still hit prs to where um again numbers off the top of my head i mean he squatted in the um the lower fives, 515 range. Okay. He's uh, benched up in the like 380, 385 range. Okay. And he's pulled, I think, 650, you know, a 198 pound weight uh, yeah. lifter. And I mean, he walks around, like, I think the heaviest he's walked around is like 207, 206. Um, so he was able to add all this weight to his total um, within just a few years. Yeah. yeah in, in your mid 30s, starting out. So, um, and he was a guy that benefited from switching to three days a week of programming because of his job, you know, having, uh, three kids or whatever he's got now. He's got, I think the, uh, their newest just turned one or something not long ago, but, um, you know, it, he's got all these typical mid 30 year old guy problems, but yet, well, I shouldn't call them problems, but priorities. Yeah. Um, but he's put what, 150, 200 pounds on his total? You know, so anything's possible. Yep. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. Do you want to get some to, to some questions here? Sure. Um, so I had a, a Q&A come in that asked, what are the best accessory exercises for longevity in weightlifting or Olympic weightlifting? Um, and what I really like about this is that it's not asking, like, what are the best ones in order to get better at weightlifting? It's essentially, like, what can I do in order to stay in the sport longer? Now, if you expand this outside of weightlifting to any sport, it's going to be applicable, not because of the exercise selection that I'm going to mention, um, but because, like, I want to encourage people to just continue to be doing sports for as, as long as possible from a health standpoint. So the first thing that you can think about is you have to fill deficits. So if you have a sport that's very bilateral, like throwing in things that are unilateral, uh, so for something like a single leg RDL, um, not single leg like pistol squat kind of mm. thing, but like a, a step up, a lunge, um, uh, the rear foot elevated mm. split squat, things like that. Even for them, like a, a box side step and things like yeah. that would help them a lot. And then also look at the plane of movement. So if you have something that's very, you know, sagittally based, if you can give them something like a, a lateral step up, um, lateral lunge, lateral squat, anything like that, you're going to be filling in deficits. That's not necessarily going to make you better at your sport, mm. but it creates resiliency in yeah. planes of movement and muscle groups. Well, if you groups. think about it, like if you ever watch um, them do like whenever they uh, do their split jerk or whatever and they hit, you ever see like where – you know, the weight kind of wobbles to the left or the right, mm -hmm. you know, and typically, um, from what I've seen, it leans towards that front foot or whatever. So when, it, whenever you get, I'm like mimicking, <laughs> people can see me, but like when you get to that position, that body starts to shift, yep. you know what I mean? And if you're not somewhat prepared for that, you, it, it's going to throw you off. And if you can strengthen that ability, you might save your lift right. versus being on the platform and missing the lift, you know, cause and, I mean, so uh, Coach Dan from River City Weightlifting, we've talked about this, and it's like part of it's proprioception and just being aware of how to be prepared mm -hmm. for that position at a new weight as you're going through. And then part of it is building the strength in order to be able to be resilient in that position. Um, and I think those two, they go together really well. It's like just because you're aware of it, you have the proprioception, doesn't mean you're strong enough to do it for an entire cycle. You're strong enough to pull it off one time or for a couple of times, but are you able to do it at the volume that's been programmed? But at the same time, you could have someone, this kind of coming back to, you have someone from a previous sport, they're bringing all that strength in. They could have all kinds of strength in a different plane of movement that would make them resilient, but they have no proprioception yeah. on how to use it. So it is a combination of the two of those, but I think they feed into each other really well. Um, the other one is enhancing the resiliency or strength, whichever word you want to use for the areas that get the most stress. But if you look at the sport, like take powerlifting, for example, you like as the coach, you would be putting in accessories that help the big lifts yeah. as you're going through. So uh, if I asked you like, right, can you name a couple of accessories you would give someone for bench? For bench, I mean, it, again, depends on the person, but a lot of the common ones you'll do, you know, you'll do close grip bench if mm -hmm. we want to get specific. Um, but offhand from that, you know, you might have like a dumbbell chest fly. You might have like slow eccentric uh, dumbbell tri uh, extensions. You might have some other form of overhead tricep extension. You might have, 
um, you know, lateral raises, front raises, things like that to build up the shoulders. Um, and then because bench, you know, you still need to use your lats. We'll work the, uh, the upper back through, mm-hmm. you know, different row variations. Um, you know, even like a, uh, crucifix cross, uh, or crucifix lat pull down, things yeah. like that. So, so what I would do as the practitioner, I'd step in and say, what are the areas that are going to be stressed the most? say in that eccentric portion, like do the biceps take too much load as you're going through the bench due to the eccentric nature of it? Um, And then can we build resiliency with that and say, hey, we're going to give these exercises in order to help that out. Mm -hmm. Now, you could look at the accessory day and realize that everything that your coach gave you covers those bases. But I think that you should know that they cover those bases. And then take it one step further um, like Justin was saying earlier, like there was a period where his, uh, elbows would always be bothering him in the triceps. Well, you can throw in tricep extensions or skull crushers or things like that, but are those the exercises that are going to help out that area the most? And it's just like narrow it down to figure out you know, what is the exercise that's going to help you for your issue, for your event, uh, that's going to build resiliency in the area that takes the most stress. Um, which I know is an incredibly vague answer that doesn't give a specific, you know, exercise for it. But if you have that approach to it, you can get really specific with it uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. What's the next one here? Um, is there any point in advanced athletes training, um, career when an unloading cycle is advisable? Um, so again, talking about an advanced athlete, um, it kind of depends, I guess, on, well, I shouldn't even say it depends on the sport. I would say for most sports, yes. At some point, you're going to need to kind of tone things back. Um, and it might be not, a, not a, I don't want to say like going through a whole cycle of rest and don't yeah. do anything. But one that does drastically pull things back, allow everything to... Um, repair itself all the if you have yeah. minor tweaks and things and you'll usually see this when someone has maybe gone through like a competition or two um especially as you know dan asked us so let's take like the weightlifting side mm-hmm. where they might be competing every few months if you see you know an advanced athlete that's like you know they've been through a couple meets now and it's like they're not really capable of reaching that top end you know what i mean they're starting to get beat up too much that yeah. might be a good time to just draw back the reins a lot and allow them to go through a cycle, um, maybe even just a little bit longer where their uh, body's able to repair itself fully. It's able to relax, rest, and then come back and react and respond better to what you're feeding them. Um, you know, I used to do something like this through, um, pretty much any training I've ever done. Um, now I don't do it to this length, but I used to take two weeks off. Yeah. Like in, in, when I say two weeks, it might've been like nine or 10 days in, I start to move around a little bit more. Um, it's not to say I just sat on the couch, but like I didn't go in and I didn't hit any heavy lifting. I didn't hit a bunch of reps and volume and things like that. And I allowed myself just to kind of relax and rest. And I know, um, there's a lot of, uh, pro bodybuilders that do that Mm -hmm. also to allow the body to fully recover. Usually they'll go get like a deep tissue massage. They'll get, you know, their nutrition stays on point obviously, but, um, they allow a little bit, you know, a little bit extra calories to come in, allow them, their hormones to kind of even out, allow their body to fully rest and repair. Um, so, 
every year after our nationals, I'll take uh, two weeks off. Mm-hmm. And part of that isn't for the physical aspect of trying to recover physically. Cause you know, same thing. It's not like I just sit there and don't do anything. Like I'll move. And, um, what I notice though is after two weeks, like I'm itching to go do something. Yeah. I'm smart about what I come back and do. Back. Right. Yeah. And what I know is that mentally and emotionally, the buildup to nationals and being at nationals, that's exhausting. Um, you need time to want to come back and also to match that up with the physically capable of coming back. And the bigger that is or the more uh, competitions you have that have that kind of emotional and mental toll on you, the longer you need to be able to come back. Now, that mental part could be, like you were saying earlier, like you go through a hypertrophy phase um, where you just you take it easy on the body. But especially when you look at powerlifting, it is so demanding on the nervous system going through those 12 weeks of prep the act of doing three essentially max out lifts on three different events is the equivalent of your brain thinking that you're being murdered like it is excruciating on the nervous system to go through that process it takes a long time to recover your nervous system from that process and you have to coax it to come back from it. Uh, so in that case, absolutely. Like you need to have some kind of structured plan of unloading going through weightlifting would be very similar. You just have to look at, um, how much of a tax is on the system and how long you need to come off of it. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. That pretty much sums everything up. Um, one thing I do want to mention, uh, you know, when it comes to longevity in the sport, is, you know, Lindsay just competed this past weekend and she totaled uh, 1,074. So shout out to her. Whoop, whoop. Good job there. Um, but, you know, longevity in the sport, Lindsay totaled 650 at her first meet. All right. So here we are, you know, going on five years and however many months later, you know, she's at 1,074. If you break that down, that's about 85 pounds on average a year. Now, her last meet before this, between the meet before that and that last one, um, I believe her total might have stayed the same, maybe even went down a little bit or something. Um, and she didn't compete, you know, for what was that? Uh, nine months ago, I want to say, around that time. So, again, like you take that, that time, like she had her total come down or let's say stay the same, whatever she hit around the same numbers. All right. It just wasn't her time yet. It she, her body wasn't ready for it. She did underperform that meat. She knows it. Now you flash forward nine months later, she comes out and absolutely fucking kills everything. Mm-hmm. So remember that one meat's not going to define anything just because your total hasn't went up, you know, from meat to meat, it doesn't define anything. Um, you know, to throw mine out there, I went from 13, I believe it was 1372 was my first one, um, to 1857, which equates to about 97 pounds a year. All right. And same thing. My total has went down this last meet. It went down to, I think, 1820 something. All right. Um, and you know, I've had injuries in there and things like that still progressed. 
So again, the longer in the sport, have that long-term outlook. This shit works just like the stock market does. It is up and down, (laughs) just like life does. It is up and down, all right? And it's going to get crazy, and it's going to suck at times, and it's going to seem like it's going to be hard. You're never going to make it there, but if you keep going, I promise you, you're going to lift more weight than you ever could imagine. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for today. Um, be on the lookout. We do have a meet coming up here on November 7th, as long as you no know, COVID restrictions change. Um, on wood. yeah, that's always a big one. If you, if you are in the area, come out. Um, usually that one brings some of the best lifters, uh, in the world to this little gym in Canton, Ohio. So it's kind of cool to see. Um, I think every time we've held this meet, someone's attempted an all-time world record every single time. They've either broke it or they've at least attempted it. So um, it's something to be said when it's just little old Canton, Ohio. (laughs) So, um, But I do appreciate everyone like that does come out and those lifters that do decide to lift here um, at that meet. It's, you know, it's one of those things like as an owner, it's like special to you to see that happen because when I built the gym and when we, moved into this one and I was like, Oh, let's run meets. I never expected that, you know, we would consistently have these top 10 all time athletes walking through the door and, you know, CRC squatted his thousand fifty seven in here. Um, you know, I know Nick Ramey's went for uh, multiple record attempts. Uh, Jody Burford went for a record attempt in here. Sarah Lewis went for a record attempt in here. I mean, the names just keep going. Um, it's pretty crazy to see. So, um, and a lot of times in the crowd, you'll see some of the, the best lifters or best coaches in the world drop by mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it's November 7th. If you got a chance to make it out, make it out. Um, but yeah, that's all for today and we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.